Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. Thanks for being on the podcast today. So when we look at dogs that are middle-aged to older and are starting to break with otitis or pyoderma, you know, it's not my favorite disease to treat, but it is very important, and that are the different endocrinopathies in hormonal disorders. So when we start to see pets who are, you know, breaking out with pyoderma and they've never done it before, or even otitis you can get from endocrinopathies, which is often overlooked, And say it is a dog that's eight or nine and doesn't have a history of chronic allergies, you want to start shifting your mindset to ruling out other things. And that doesn't mean it can't be allergies. We definitely can see pets who are older, develop food allergy or atopic dermatitis. However, something like an endocrinopathy is often overlooked. So hypothyroidism, hyperadrenocorticism, Cushing's disease. These are diseases that also can lead to pets being itchy and not because the disease itself causes pets to be itchy, but because when we see manifestations of the skin with these endocrinopathies, pets can break out with pretty significant pyoderma and pyoderma on its own can be very itchy. So when we see a pet who has a lot of infection and their history isn't really uh, suggestive of allergies, Sometimes I just take the time to clear up that infection because if we clear up that infection and the pet's really no longer paritic, maybe truly this is related to something else. So a hormonal disorder of some sort would definitely be a possibility. If you clear up the infection and you check your cytology, because I know if anything, I'm teaching you guys to always collect a cytology, especially on these rechecks and the infection is clear and they are still licking their paws or, you know, itchy, then we might be more thoughtful of a pet who has allergies or maybe something else that's itchy like, you know, ectoparasites, lots of other things that can cause them to be paritic. So sometimes just taking the time to treat the infection to see what the paritis level does can be really important. But on any pet who is middle-aged or older and just starting to break out with bad infections, I like to run complete lab work on them. So for me personally, that is usually going to be a CBC, a chemistry, a urinalysis, and then a thyroid panel. And I like to have a thyroid panel that at least has free T4 by ED and TSH. And that's how I feel comfortable diagnosing hypothyroidism versus potentially euthyroid sick syndrome. Um, And so I'll evaluate that lab work. And then obviously, if I see that the thyroid levels are abnormal, TSH is high, you know, maybe the free T4 is low, then we can start treatment. And there are a significant amount of dogs where it's a pretty you know, straightforward disease to treat. So that can be really great. It's fairly inexpensive compared to other um, medications to supplement them with thyroid, and it can make such a big difference. The things I'm looking for in a hypothyroidism dog, you know, of course, if they're having recurrent infections at an older age, 
Um, if they have a really dull, poor hair coat. So if their hair coat has started to lose some of its luster, um, you'll hear of some pets having like a little rat tail. Um, if they just owners kind of report, they've been not as energetic, a little lethargic, punky. Um, if they started gaining weight, that wasn't normal for them and nothing's really changed in their diet. But to be honest, sometimes you do not see all these other clinical signs. You just see an older dog who breaks out with pyoderma or otitis. Um, so sometimes just having those recurrent infections are the only way that we see their hypothyroidism clinically. So I get lab work on them because it's always great in any dog, um, especially when they're older, to collect lab work, you know, once or twice a year just to watch out for things. Now, hyperadrenocorticism is obviously really tricky, and I have plans to have an internist on for us to discuss this disease process because it's difficult. It's not straightforward. There's lots of different tests, and what I always tell owners is when there's a lot of different tests for a disease process, it usually means that no one test is 100%, and that can be really disheartening. So communicating with owners about the frustration of diagnosing hyperadrenocorticism is something I definitely like to communicate with them. Um, but you certainly can have cases that because they're producing, you know, too much cortisol, it's just like having a pet on too much steroids. It can cause them to be susceptible to infections. So we can see pyoderma, we can see otitis. Um, sometimes you'll see epidermal atrophy. I definitely tend to see this uh, more in their abdominal region because the skin is thinner there. So if you notice some striations to the abdominal skin, if you're starting to see more blood vessels through the skin because it's thinner, um, if you're seeing a big pot belly, you know, a swayed back, uh, muscle atrophy, these are all signs that can happen with hyperadrenocorticism. Again, I have diagnosed hyperadrenocorticism in a dog that did not have any of those other signs, was not PUPD. Um, I've diagnosed it in pets who do not have their alkaline phosphatase abnormally high, and they've just had pyoderma. I'd say most cases have some other signs, like maybe their ALPs up or they're panting or drinking or urinating a lot. Um, but as a dermatologist, I tend to see a subset that doesn't necessarily show all of those clinical signs. And the really difficult part is that sometimes dogs, if they're predisposed to have one of those endocrinopathies, they can have both. So if you have a dog that has hypothyroidism um, and that's well controlled and they start breaking out with a lot of infections, there's a, a statistics have shown that they are more likely to develop other problems like hyperadrenocorticism. Um, another frustrating thing sometimes is we will have pets that have a history of allergies. We have managed their allergy allergies throughout the year and, you know, they've done fairly well. And then all of a sudden, as they get older, they're having all these other issues, whether it's the other systemic signs or they're starting to have pyoderma that is not easy to control, even though we feel like their allergy management has been really well, gone really well. So it's important to realize that as pets get older, even if they have a history of another disease, say like food allergy or atopic dermatitis, that they still can develop these other endocrinopathies that can complicate things and affect their epidermal barrier and cause them to break with skin infections. So we often have to go hunting for other sorts of endocrinopathy, whether it's starting with that general lab work and seeing if there's any suggestions of something, or, you know, if some of the tests come back normal, I give owner signs of what to watch for. So I have had cases where 
they have elevated ALP, they're struggling with recurrent infections, we can't get a clear diagnosis with a low-dose dexamethasone test or ACTH stimulation test. And so I'll have owners watch out for signs of PUPD weight gain. Um, and if those happen, we'll retest. I have had a dog where, you know, we've retested and did an ultrasound and never got anything conclusive. And then the signs progressed and a year later, um, super conclusive on the testing and truly was a dog with hyperadrenocorticism and did dramatically well going on veteral, which is trilistine. So the hard part is sometimes you do have to repeat tests in some of these pets. You know, hormones are, they change. Um, whenever you collect lab work, it is just a snapshot in time. Sometimes you get areas of gray where they're a little high in certain tests or a little low in certain tests, but it's not enough to make a definitive diagnosis. And so sometimes you do just have to tell owners, we might need to wait, see how things go, monitor for these signs. And if they happen, then we should consider repeating tests in your pet in the future. So that's where communication can become really, really key um, in these endocrinopathies, just like all of dermatology, setting client expectation regarding diagnostics, regarding you know, chronic management can be really important. So I hope that's helpful. Um, you know, I previously, my dog Darby, she had uh, atopic dermatitis and flea allergy dermatitis I managed for years. Hers weren't too, too bad. Um, but then when she was older, she started having other symptoms and she developed hypothyroidism. So we have to remember that these dogs can have, you know, more than one problem. And if they start struggling with things like recurrent infection, we have to rule out other causes of that. We sometimes can't always just blame it on the allergy and we want to make sure that we're working them up appropriately and keeping them comfortable. So I hope that helps. Um, continue to share the podcast, continue to send me your questions. And these are the types of topics that we can dive deeper into with the Derm Nerds. So I definitely encourage you guys to check it out. Try it for a month. It's been a great experience just to discuss more of these complicated cases. 